In this episode of Testimony, a Musician Story presented by Soundseekers, rapper Raw B shares his Christian testimony. He talks about growing up with addicts as parents, being homeless at 15 years old, and being molested as a teen by a female pastor who took him in off the streets. Additionally, he breaks down expectations, no ceiling, Lake Tom, and Soda and Vodka featuring 350 in the four-song breakdown. I am Galiga Brown, and this is Soundseekers Presents Testimony, a Musician's Story. And let's first start with your first music memory, whether it be a song or music video, your first recollection mm -hmm. of music. So my uh, my first recollection of music was my dad. So he would always be playing Red Hot Chili Peppers, Motley Crue, like it was a lot of rock stuff. Mm -hmm. And my uh, grandparents, I think they're actually still in a band. Um, they they used to do gigs out in California and they're in a band called Ellipse. So my grandma and my grandpa would be playing in this band. And every once in a while they would use us, uh, me and my brother as roadies to uh, set up for them and stuff. So uh, that was like my beginning roots of like being like, oh, shoot, like this is this is really tight. And it and it sparked my interest. And I started playing guitar. Um, I started messing around with that. And uh, my grandpa was actually teaching me how to play guitar. So that was really fun. Sweet. So then you come from a musical family. Yes. Yes. That's awesome. So where were you born and raised? I was born and raised in Grants Pass, Oregon. So it's a, it's a super small town um, in Southern Oregon. Um, just like very small city um, in the woods, kind of. Um, shout out to the people in uh, Grants Pass watching. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, very, very small town, very humble beginnings. Um, and then I moved up to Portland later on, but now so I'm here in Atlanta. Is Portland the the biggest city that was close to where you grew up? Yeah, so uh, Portland is at the top of Oregon, so you'd have to drive like four hours from Grants Pass to get to Portland. Okay. So, yeah. And did you have any siblings? Oh, you, you said yes. your brother. Yeah, yeah. I have a full brother. His name is Sydney, and uh, he, he's, a, he's a little rascal, but I love him. <laughs> And did you grow up in a two-parent household? Um, no. I, uh, my parents ended up splitting when I was uh, five. Okay. And yeah. in your music, I mean, you talked about um, like growing up in a trailer park and your parents leaving you. Yes. Where does all that fall into place? So that ended up happening um, after, after my parents split. Um, when they were together, we were actually living in like a regular house um, and it was awesome. We were out in uh, like Sunny Valley for, for a little bit. And uh, after they split, um, a custody battle went down to where I was visiting my mom and then I was visiting my dad. And it was a, a pretty brutal one because my mom kept on just going from place to place and we ended up, you know, living in the, uh, a trailer. Um, out, out in like Wolf Creek somewhere. And then um, they just kept on going back and forth to the point where my mom eventually took me and my little brother out to Reno, Nevada um, as kind of like 
trying to escape. In the midst of all that, she had uh, multiple other kids. Um, so there was a lot of mouths to feed. And uh, we were basically going uh, at that point, she, she couldn't uh, maintain a job because she was addicted to meth. And mm -hmm. so uh, we were going in and out of like shelters um, and submissions to go eat and uh, sleeping um, basically at the homeless shelters. So uh, it was really rough. And then my dad ended up coming and picking us up later. So I was like seven when that happened. So it went on for like two years. Okay. So when you were doing the um, on the streets with your mom and you said she was having, she had other kids as well. Yeah. What, how many other half siblings do you have? Uh, they keep on popping up <laughs> uh, through Facebook. Like they reach out to me and stuff. Um, the three, I, I met three of them um when when they were you know being born and stuff um i've i have relationships with them still speak uh with them you know through facebook and social media but um yeah i i have apparently another three other siblings so in total i have like seven wait yeah like seven or eight siblings um six of them seven on my mom's side and then uh two on my dad's side wait no six of them on my mom's side two on my dad's side so it's kind of hard to keep check yeah but yeah, i mean if they're <laughs> coming up popping up i would imagine it being hard yeah. To check. yeah for real and when your mom was doing meth you're like a kid so were you even aware of her addiction problem nah nah i i honestly i wasn't i wasn't aware at all i, I was just you know um just doing my thing as like a kid you know you're so like just pure at heart and you're kind of just doing your thing with uh, what you have playing with toys and stuff probably caught on a little bit um with the you know some of the domestic uh violence that was going on between her and my uh like stepdad and stuff mm -hmm. um but yeah overall I was just like completely oblivious and so your father comes in and you and your brother end up living with your father for the remainder of your childhood uh, for the most part. So uh, my dad comes and picks me and my little brother up and we end up living with him and his uh, his girlfriend out in Grants Pass. So something went down um, after they got engaged and uh, some domestic violence happened. Um, my dad ended up, you know, throwing her down and her two older sons, uh, like 17 and 18, they came through and they they beat the the crap out of my dad. And I, I literally like was sitting there like watching it happen. Um, they like cracked his ribs and stuff. And uh, I was like eight at that time. I was just learning how to skateboard, just getting into, a, you know, the um, the neighborhood and learning uh, like some friends names. And yeah. then next thing you know, that happens. And so um, they took him to jail for a little bit. And then he came back. We ended up moving in uh, with uh, with like uh, with an older woman that that he was a friend of. Um, kind of like a sugar mama situation. It was kind of it was kind of awkward at first because she was a lot older than he was. Um, but she ended up taking us all in, and she she literally took care of us uh, up until I was like around nine or ten. Um, or about nine nine years old and then dad finally got on his feet got a job 
we ended up renting a few houses out in uh out in grants pass um eventually moved out to merlin in a, in a trailer where he he officially bought property um so after that ended up happening um my dad was kind of spiraling in alcoholism uh he was he was going downhill pretty bad um to the point where me and him started getting into it and this is a couple years down the road i'm playing football i kind of said not nah, to skateboarding because we're we're out in the country now um skateboarding was one of my my hobbies i really love doing that so i was like super sad that we moved out to the country but i started playing football and stuff i actually got pretty good at it i was starting quarterback and stuff um and i i started learning how to rap uh in that trailer just you know writing rhymes and stuff down and kind of you know let my heart go and uh me and him just started butting heads. And I think it's because I started, you know, getting testosterone and just started, you know, growing up, working out and getting big and feeling a little bit cocky. Um, and I also kind of held like some sort of anger um, for them splitting up because I always wanted a mother figure in my life. And the, the older lady, her name is Laura. Um, I was looking up to her as that mother figure, but it got to a point where me and my dad, like we ended up getting into a fist fight and uh, he ended up kicking me out of his house at like 15 years old. So um, I ended up homeless again. Oh, no. So, um, yeah. So you're 15 and homeless. Yes. How do you survive? So 15 and homeless, I survived with the relationships I made through my, um, through my friends at school. So a lot of the football homies would let me uh, sleep on their couch and um, I was going to youth group at the time um, and I was, you know, just kind of going there because my friends were going. Um, I didn't really have a relationship with God, really. Um, but I ended up, you know, staying with uh, my homie Randy. Uh, he he brought me into uh, youth group and stuff and um, his family ended up actually taking me in um, off the streets at 15. I was, I was, I was homeless for like a good two, three weeks, kind of just couch surfing and doing my own thing. I didn't have anything though. I had just the clothes on my back and my skateboard kind of just mobbing around. But um, I ended up finally getting my stuff back and moving in with them. Wow. Okay. So is that where you spent the like remainder of high school with your yeah. family? Okay. Yes. So that's, that's where I ended up getting saved. And, uh, I actually talk about um, what happened with this family in my next track. Um, the 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 family that I moved in with, um, they're pastors of a church, and I, I know I'm just dropping a lot like a lot of heavy stuff right now. Uh, but she's a pastor. She's a youth pastor. Her uh, her husband's a pastor, and um, I end up moving with them. Fifteen. Um, I get diagnosed with depression uh, because I'm just like sad uh, over what's all going on. Yeah, I mean, um, feeling like I'm lost. Yeah. And uh, I ended up, you know, getting on uh, Zoloft and uh, just taking that every day. And uh, 16 comes around. I'm, I'm getting really good at football. Um, I'm thriving. Uh, it's like my, uh, I believe it's like my junior year. And, uh, towards the end of the football season um something changed uh with the relationship between um this person that was taking care of me and uh myself she ended up actually uh coming on to me 
Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she, woman. Yeah. Okay. So she ended up coming on to me and um, like cuddling me a little bit too much, getting a little bit too close. And I just wanted like a mother figure, you know what I'm saying? And I kind of just like, I went with it. I was being an idiot, 16 years old. And then eventually she got in so close um, that she ended up taking my virginity at 17. So um, that ended up happening. And uh, that spiraled a lot of uh, craziness with the relationship as like, I'm trying to see her as mom, but then she sees me as like this boyfriend or something on the side. And she took control over everything. My dating life, I was non-existent. She she tapped my phone. Um, she didn't let me text any girls whatsoever. So my dating life and everything was non-existent. And I had explained to a lot of my friends, like, yo, like, I can't do this, I can't do that. Like, sorry, like, and she just had complete control over me. And uh, that, was probably one of the, like even going through the divorce and going through like all that stuff with my dad, that was probably like the hardest thing was that um, that's uh, sexual stuff. And so it goes on until I'm about, I, I kind of, I, I ended up trying to go to Bible college at 18. I ended up flunking out. Um, I dropped out. I was just, I was just messed up. You know what I'm saying? Like I was trying my best to, to, you know, keep my, my mask on, but I just couldn't, I needed to get healing rather than trying to step into um, something that was like, you know, learning of about being a worship pastor and stuff. So I ended up. Wait, I'm sorry. Just to interrupt. It's all good. So this family that you're with, they introduce you to Jesus. Yes. And you get saved while in the process of living with them. Yes. Um, okay, let's just let's focus on that part right there. Was yes. there something specific that connected with you? Um, like, why did you give your life to Christ? Yes. So when I gave my life to Jesus, I felt like it was my second chance um, after, you know, being completely thrown out by both ends of my father and my mother. I um I came I came to learn that I have a father in heaven and um I felt like I felt like an orphan and um I know that um uh, it was it was his love and his grace that in it in his adoption and his like he gives orphans sonship that really just like pierced my heart and um I really broke down when uh when I when I fully grasped that as a, as a teenager. And um, I ended up giving my life to him. Okay. So you gave your life to Christ and then this woman pastor ends up molesting you. Yeah. How does that affect your relationship with Christ? Because they introduced you to him. I would yeah. think there would be, that would like really mess with your head and your connection. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, it, it, it messed me up with, with my faith. And uh, I was questioning God, like, why, why would you allow the same people that brought me to Christ um, put me through this? And uh, he said, I need you to trust me and not man. I need you to trust that I cover all sin with my love, including that one. Um, 
and to not trust your own understanding. And uh, it, it, it took me a long time to really truly grasp that. It took me a couple years actually to really grasp that, to not put my trust into, you know, I mean, I got trust issues already, but like learning just like, I'm supposed to follow the person of Jesus, not the person who follows Jesus. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And cause, cause people like when, when we're walking, we're walking in a very windy road, Jesus stays very straight, very narrow. So I tried my best to just keep my eyes on him through all that. Um, so, yeah. So the whole time that you're in the household, then until you attempt to go to Bible college, you were being molested by this woman. Yeah. So you go to Bible college, you flunk out, you realize that you need healing. How did mm -hmm. you receive that healing? So I, re I realized that, um, you know, I, I, I flunked out, realized I need healing. I go back to the people and uh, I ended up living with them. I was, I was broken that, you know, I dropped out because in the midst of dropping out, like I, I was drinking a lot during there. Uh, during my time in Bible college, and I actually ended up getting into a fist fight while I was in Bible college. Mm -hmm. And uh, I ended up coming back home. And one of my friend died, one of my friends from childhood dies in like a bike accident. And I'm just like, bro, like, what is going on right now? You know, and uh, it, I, I, I allow her to get back in again. And I ended up like resisting it and trying my best to get get out of it multiple times i, I started working at this place uh out in grants pass y'all y'all know what starbucks is i started working at starbucks and um i go on uh, my first tour i'm making music in the, in the midst of all this um i go on my first tour this is where i met zay hill and curtis hoppy um shout out to them if they watching but i ended up touring with them and uh, got connected with Zay. And Zay is actually one of the first people that I confessed to um, uh, that, that that was going on. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up feeling really good about that, that I told him. And so I ended up confessing to the people I was working with at work yeah. um, at Starbucks. And uh, my manager was like, bro, we got to get you out of there. And so they ended up like moving me out but my start my Starbucks money couldn't maintain an apartment. I was living in my car for for a hot minute for like a good month in my car. And I ended up going back to the same people. Um, and this is when I'm like 19. Uh, I just turned 20. So I'm I'm 20 years old. I come back. Zay comes back and we record an album. It was super trash. <laughs> <laughs> It was super trash, but it was so fun because like, that's where like the brotherhood mm -hmm. really like started um, on that tour. And when he came out to record this album and uh, he moved me out of that house probably multiple times till we couldn't figure out where to go. So we kept on going back and uh, they, they, there was fights in the middle of the night where um, we literally dipped out, moved my whole room with my buddy Antonio and Zay and came back because we had nowhere to go. And so I, I ended up um, eventually leaving that household 
uh, with a with a little bit of a messed up relationship. I kind of dove into it. Um, I ended up living with this uh, with this girl, um, and it was just kind of like a stepping stone to to get where I needed to go. Um, I ended up just kind of uh, dipping out on the on that family. I, I living with this girl. She has a kid. Um, I it's not my kid. Um, she she's like eight years old, and I realized like in like a month or yeah, it was about a month living with this girl that I I am not ready to be a stepfather. Yeah, and uh, so um, really rough breakup happens, and uh, I was just like, where do I go now? Um. And I was just like asking God, like, God, like, please just get me out of this town. I was crying. I was just like, I was drowning in, in alcohol. I even did, uh, I was smoking weed at the time too. I was in on nicotine. I was, I was doing, uh, I did, I even did cocaine one time when I was like with this woman. And uh, I was just, was I was just, okay. she was doing lines of cocaine and molesting you. Yeah. Wait, what? So the pastor was doing live. No, no, no. Oh. No, oh, this is I, after I moved okay, in with this, this chick. Is, uh, the woman was an eight-year-old. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I ended up moving away from her, and uh, I got a blessing, like a sum of money. like I think it was like $1,000. And I hit up one of my friends that lived out in Portland. I met him in Bible college. I was like, hey, bro, like I, I heard that um, you need roommates. And he was living out in Vancouver. And he's like, yes, bro, like, uh, can you get up here? And I was like, yes, I can. And so I ended up moving up there. And um, to Canada, I go through, yeah. I ended up going through a, through a really depressing phase, like with the breakup, with uh, moving away from everything. I, I ended up coming uh, where I reconciled my relationship with my dad during this time. Um, and I spent my 21st birthday with him. He, the alcohol really got to him and he ended up passing away during the transition. Mm, and so I'm out here um, in Vancouver now, uh, mourning the loss of my father, mourning the loss of a, of a girlfriend that I soul tied with and mourning the loss of a family that um, I was with for about like seven years or it's like six, six years. And so I ended up almost killing myself. I, uh, spirit of suicide came over me. I, I let it um, grip my soul and uh, I almost took my life one night. And uh, God spoke audibly to me that night. And this is where like my true surrender really began. He's like, Robbie, I have a purpose for you that is way beyond just this. Like there is more to live for. You are my son. I love you. And I'm like, I'm sorry that this happened to you, but I promise you just don't do this. And I heard that like with my ears almost as I was getting ready to um, overdose myself. And uh, at that moment, I just, I just cried and I fell to my knees and I, um, I just begged God for forgiveness for everything that I did and uh, I uh, started going to uh, this church called Activate out in Washougal, Washington. And um, 
that's where I really, really got healing. That's where I really, really understood um, what grace truly meant. Cause they really took me in as I was the youth pastor there. He took me in under his wing. Um, his name is Sean. Sean, if you're watching this, I love you, bro. Um, he took me in under his wing. He discipled me. He listened to every single phone call. He replied to like every single text of mine when I was struggling. And uh, they, that whole church really just embraced me. Mm-hmm. And um, during, that, during that time, I was really just like, like, receive, like I was learning how to receive love and receive um, what it's like to have like a church family, like a real church family, not like a fake one that I was mm-hmm. living with. And um, I, I was like, God, like, I'm tired of relationship, like, like dating relationships. Like, I don't want to have a woman, like for the next five years, you're, you're like, I want to be yours and I want you to be mine. And after I said that, like two weeks later, my my future wife comes into my life okay. as I'm as I'm, you know, beginning to sanctify myself and and like purify my soul. And uh, she she comes in and. Uh, we we just are on talking terms and we're friends and I'm really trying my best to, you know, get grounded in the word at this time. And so we just started doing Bible plans back and forth. And um, I ended up, uh, we ended up getting <laughs> evicted out of that apartment. Um, and I move in with like a new family that actually really took me in for real. And they actually loved on me um, with, with nothing in return. And it was just like, it was beautiful. And that was like the first time I really experienced family love. Mm-hmm. And um, Val became my girlfriend. I started working a job. I started recording more. I started feeling so much more full. And um, even though I was just, you know, like living in the garage, it was still like so cool. Like I, and I, I was like 22, you know, but um, I ended up uh, proposing to Val um, after I saved us some money. I was working uh, pest control and uh, the rest is kind of like history. Okay, so how did, what you experienced with that family, how did mm-hmm. that affect your relationship with Val? Yeah, so it was it was really it was really tough on Val when I when I confessed to her um, about that whole scenario. I did it. I made sure to do it like pretty early in our relationship, just to kind of get it out there. You know, I, I didn't want anything to really be holding us back. I didn't want any secrets. Um, we value honesty, and so I just. I just let it out one day and uh, she cried and she um, she still at times has hard uh, has a hard time forgiving, um, you know, the people that did that to me with yeah. right reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it uh, it definitely it definitely messes with um, our relationship a little bit. But I feel like we're we're thriving um, over that and uh, we're just leaving the past as the past and we're looking ahead to what's in our future, so. And your friend, whose mm-hmm. mom it was, did that affect your relationship with him? Um, yeah, I don't talk to any of them anymore. Um, the people that I called brother, the people that I called sister, um, the nieces and nephews that they had, um, I don't, I don't 
talk to them anymore. And I just have to know, is she still pastoring? I think so. I don't know. I, I haven't really yeah. kept tabs on them. Um, it's been a few years since uh, everything's been cut off. I'm 24 now, and I cut them off at 21. So it's well, been so uh, about three years. Experience that like nobody um, should have to experience that. Yeah, especially well, someone who's supposed to be, you know, reflecting right. the image of God. It's uh, it's one of those things that unfortunately happens more than we know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it, it definitely does. So, thank you for sharing this. Yeah, there of course. Are people that this will resonate with. Yeah. But also, I mean, it also just needs to be known. Yeah. Okay. So you you get married. How long did you guys um date before you got married? We dated for uh for a year before we got um engaged. And, and, and the reason why we dated so long, I was ready to that was so cover. long. One I, year was so long. <laughs> it was it was long for me, okay. <laughs> it was long because I just knew. I yeah. just knew like like a couple months of dating this girl. I was just like, I'm gonna marry this woman. Yeah. And uh like she's she's like the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um and uh we 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 were doing some like premarital or like pre-engagement counseling with my youth pastor and he was kind of put putting the pressure on me. He's like, Bro, you got a dime, you cannot, you cannot play around. And I'm mm -hmm. like, I know. And he's like, You gotta drop on a knee. And I'm like, Man, we're only a couple months in, like. And so we we pushed off. Uh, I pushed off getting engaged to her until she uh, um, until like a year, and then we pushed off getting married until she graduated from college with her bachelor's in marketing. And so um, that was like our engagement lasted for about nine months. Okay. So. And then you guys end up moving from the west to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Ackworth to be more specific, but nobody knows where Ackworth is. <laughs> so You're in the I just say Atlanta. <laughs> so. Yeah, Atlanta area. <laughs> and how how are you liking the the move and how's it for you guys? It was it was honestly awesome. We didn't fly out here, we drove. Oh, um wow. so it was really cool. Uh <laughs> We had a COVID wedding and since we couldn't travel outside the country, we were like, how are we gonna have our honeymoon? And I was like, let's drive. Let's just drive across the country and uh, camp out at some places, rent some Airbnbs. Like, let's go see like the United States. Yeah. And she was like, let's do it. And so we ended up going on like a whitewater rafting trip out in Spokane. We went through Montana, um, like, North Dakota, which was the most boring drive ever, but it was still fun. Uh, we went to Six Flags out in St. Louis. Um, we got to see a lot of really cool stuff. It was awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And I didn't realize that you guys were like freshly married during COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So June 27th, it was when we got married in 2020. So we're, we're coming up on a year. Okay. So you're still newlyweds. Yeah. <laughs> Well, congratulations. Thank you so much. It's been and amazing. How would you say God's presence looks like in your life personally outside of the music? Oh my gosh. It's, uh, it's never been better. Um, since I'm, you know, like put into a role of, I 
can make my own decisions. I um, am the leader of my household. Um, and me being able to just kind of write my own schedule. I've been, I've been trying to engage with God first contact right in the morning. I've been talking to God every single, every single moment I can. Um, it's like, I, 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 even, even then I still feel like I want to just lock in with him more, you know, just trying to like learn more about him and read his word and just, uh, understand what it's truly like to be just in his presence. And, um, it's just, uh, there's nothing better. There's nothing better than being in the presence of God. I love, I love where, where me and God are at right now. It's, uh, it's honestly, I can say it's the best that it's ever been. Okay. So, and we're going to move forward to hot topics. What's trending on Twitter right now. All right, sweet. And one of them, um, we have hashtag Marshmallow, the artist. So Marshmallow mm -hmm. and Major Laser are trending for the Fortnite bundles. Okay. And the Fortnite bundle was updated and people are excited about that. Um, <laughs> so I'm so trash at Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even play video games. I yeah. know I know that it's a popular game and Travis Scott is involved as well um but would you agree that the success of an artist's career isn't based solely on music sales or streams anymore because you have like product placements and video yeah. games oh yeah 100 percent uh, um the whole the it, it takes a whole brand and all kinds of streams of revenue to to build the foundation of an artist it's not just the streams. It's, it's not just um, what you get on Spotify anymore. It's your presence on social media. It's your presence on um, Instagram specifically. Like IG kind of rules the whole social media right now. And uh, the the product placements, um, as far as like video games go, I see a lot of rappers like getting like huge endorsement deals with, with these uh, video games, like such as Fortnite. Um, and it's such a popping thing with, uh, like Gen Z and stuff. And so, um, they're kind of, yeah, they're, they're definitely making a bag off that. And, uh, yeah, I think, I honestly think it's dope. I, I love, uh, the fact that you can, you know, work your business in different avenues as a, as a musician, um, with, you know, sync licensing through movies, through TV acting. Um, there's so many different things you can do as a creative and ever since the, you know, the internet has really taken over, I, I think that um, an artist can really take so many different avenues and still be successful. It's not just one way, uh, make it or break it type deal with the record labels. It's, it's honestly, it's given everybody a fair chance, a fair fighting chance to, to actually make a living off of what they love. And um, I love it, honestly. I think it's super dope. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you never, 10, 20 years ago, you never would have even thought about artists being involved in video games. Like, Right. <laughs> That's so crazy. Different revenues that are opening up. And I mean, like, we may never get another Rihanna album. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy to think. Yeah, yeah for real. I mean, Sheesh. Yeah. She she has other things going on. Who needs yeah. who needs music? Right. Unless you're just doing it purely for the joy of of music, but exactly. <laughs> if you're trying yeah. to 
build and and you're just focused on the muse or on money then the rest of us fans just have to wait <laughs> i know right for real so uh, when it came to your music start you you said that you jumped on that tour with zay how did that even yes. come about because you were you just started talking about you know rapping in a trailer and kind of building up from there so how do you go from like writing lyrics in a trailer to going on tour with another artist yes so um i developed my following in high school I uh, I was doing a lot of like rap battles and stuff and doing a lot of freestyling and circles. And um, my name started getting thrown around a little bit. I wasn't good, but they just loved the fact that I was just like open and confident about it. And um, I, I ended up finding the, the boot, most bootleg studio um, I could get. And I started recording and um, I started reaching out to different people I knew uh, through church and stuff. Um, through different churches, actually, um, some sound guys uh, and and like music teachers that were that were working at um, the the other school that I went to, and so I I ended up connecting with them and making a mixtape. And the mixtape is nowhere to be found. Y'all are not gonna find it, and it was super bad. But I ended up throwing a release show where like uh, like around two hundred people showed up to. And I was just grinding so hard, like to to get like the flyers printed, to get like these different little cards handed out. I promoted it around my school. Like I was like, I was literally like my own street team. Mm -hmm. And so I was uh, making sure that everybody knew about the show. And uh, I threw uh, the, the release party got so much traction, it ended up on the newspaper. And that was literally not from talent. Like I was not very talented back then. <laughs> it was all just like hustle and just grinding to to get people to to where you know I I wanted to have the release show. And so after I after I did that, um, I started trying to shoot some things over to Rabzilla. They denied it, and I understand. <laughs> but I ended up actually uh, connecting with this producer, and. Uh, he, uh, we met at the YMCA at this gym and we were working out and um, he was, uh, he was listening to music and stuff. And I was like, Hey, what's good? Like, cause he was, he was like playing basketball and stuff. And uh, he's like, Hey, and we, we got connected and we ended up figuring out like both of us do music. So we started making music together and uh, I dropped a record with him that actually was pretty decent, um, decent enough to end up on uh, the local radio station in my city. And so I started getting a buzz around that single. And then I dropped, uh, well, I was getting ready to drop like an EP. But during that time, I was just on social media, kind of just like trying to connect with a lot of people. And I ended up connecting with Curtis Hoppy. He used to be known as Triple Three. Mm. Um, way back, like in 2016, he was known as Triple Three. I was known as Robbie Jr. at the time. And uh, so I uh, learned from uh, this dude called Manifest to ask artists to buy onto their tour. Mm. And so me being as bold as I can, just super hungry, I, I saw that Curtis was throwing a tour and I was like, bro, can I buy onto this? This is coming through my way and I can land us a show on the tour. And he's like, yeah, bro, let's do it. And it just so happens that Zay was on that tour too. And uh, since me and Zay were the youngest cats on that tour, 
uh, we ended up in the back of the van. And so we were just chopping it up the whole time. The tour lasted for like a solid month. And uh, me and him became like best friends through that whole thing. It was really cool. That's awesome. Good story. Yeah. So um, you finished the tour and I mean, how do you get from the tour to where you are now? Like just constantly releasing singles and yeah, your production is awesome. <laughs> is fire thank you well. yeah thank you so much mm-hmm. um so um 2016 uh into 2017 we made the album um we started getting connected with more and more artists we started giving getting more momentum we dropped this uh single called ghost rider that actually did pretty well it showed up on a couple radio stations um i did not know about pros during that time so i did not make the bag off that um, I kind of dropped the ball, but um, it got played on a radio station in my city in Nebraska. It was getting, um, it was trending a little bit. And uh, I I ended up realizing video is what's killing it. Um, being present on YouTube is killing it. Um, and so I started trying to get as many videos as I could. And through the, through the transition of, you know, going from Grants Pass to Vancouver and stuff, like I kind of, um, kind of lost it the momentum a little bit but I started gaining it back up again and I realized um, I read a book uh, pretty recently called um, It's All in Your Head by Russ and he dropped 11 records and saw absolutely no like push mm-hmm. whatsoever and then he's like the first song of each of these albums is getting the most plays. I need to just continue to drop singles. So he started dropping singles every week. And so that he dropped a single every week for a whole year. And he added visuals to as many as he could. And he, his, he said his uh, tune core earnings went from like 600 a month to a hundred thousand within that year. And um, I'm kind of just like adopting that, um, that methodology and placing it into, into my artwork. And um, as you can see, like I got my studio in here. Um, I don't have to, I, I can, you know, do everything from my house. Um, I keep the lights on in here at the, making sure that I'm practicing in my gym as much as possible um, because like people's attention spans are, are small nowadays. You've got to keep up. And so that's that's why I ended up transitioning into dropping way more content than I used to. So. So this week you're dropping Revenge, which yes, time this album or this interview comes out, it would have been out. But this is the song where you tell the story of the family that you lived with. Yes. Not why you said you were afraid to kind of release it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, okay. yeah, it's uh, it's definitely I've not spoken on it, really. I've given little hints here and there in a couple tracks like No Ceiling. I talked about I live with another family, but the mother was messed up. She wanted something romantic. So I had to dip out. I'm finally patched up. When I said that, I was kind of hinting towards it. Okay. But something in me was saying like because I work at FedEx and I be in like trucks moving boxes every day. Right. And I keep on thinking in my head, like there's just a voice in my head, like, like, like a revenge voice, like, like I want to go like after these people, like lawfully. 
And even though I completely have the the right to, and some people would, yeah. um, I felt like God told me to just let it go. Yeah. And so my way of releasing um, that like feeling was through this record. Okay. So. So you get your revenge on the track and then keep it moving. Yep. <laughs> That's how I let it out. <laughs> That's probably the happiest way, yeah. <laughs> honestly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, I want to go on to the four song breakdown where mm -hmm. the artist recites or raps a verse and discusses what's going mm -hmm. on between the lines of the song story. So for you, I selected um, expectations, no ceilings, like Tom in soda and vodka. Yes. Would you mind starting with expectations? Yes. All right. So expectations. I'm living up to expectations. Stay working hard while they complacent. Not a legend yet, but I feel adjacent. Whoa. Me saying that line, do you want me to break it down and stuff line by line? Or do you um, want me to just write the whole verse? Recite it and then break it down if you want. Okay. You. <laughs> cool. All right. Not a legend yet, but I feel adjacent. Whoa. Oh, shoot. Station. Bada by house setting up them agents. Money going up when I check them statements. Whoa, I got that energy. Leaving my enemies look like some betas. I know the alpha. I know the omega. Oh, sorry. Wifey's calling me. One second here. <laughs> One second here. Hold up. There we go. Am I still on here? Extend the screen out a little real quick. Sorry for the interruptions and stuff. It's all good. All right. Wait, why is it small like this? Okay. Um, I got that energy making my enemies look like some betas. I know the alpha, I know the omega. A family guy, but I treat you like Megan. Think you got sauce and you sadly mistaken. I've been a one with the eggs and the bacon. Start my day off at 3.30, put work and get dirty. My journey a plaque in the making. Remember blood stains on the carpet. 21 evicted from apartments. I ain't had no money for regardment. Soldiered up, I'm looking like a sergeant. Picking off a demon from a mild Chris Cow type marksman. Dead out with the red, I promise you don't want to start. Said I've been a Jedi, so you bet I'm skywalking. Yes, I've never been nice on a beat when I'm talking, but honestly, I'm a pretty chilling person. So the whole essence of that track uh, that record was basically stating I'm living up to my expectations. I'm living up. Uh, I'm living up to what I feel like is God's expectations. And uh, it's uh, it took me a, a, a little bit to get to where I'm at right now. And I see a lot of younger artists coming up, but I feel like I'm in my spot. I feel like I'm in my uh, my zone. I feel like I'm in my, you know, my flow of things finally. And so I ended up kind of just like uh, letting people know, like, I'm, I'm here to I'm here to stay. I did a little bit of wordplay with uh, um, Think You Got Sauce and You Sadly Mistaken. I've been a one with the eggs and the bacon. That was a little double entendre. Um, stay working hard while they complacent. I was referring um to me waking up at 345 every day to go grind over at um over at uh FedEx so I can you know get off early and come here and work 
Um, and not a legend yet, but I feel adjacent means um, I'm not known and I'm not uh, where I want to be yet, but I'm just waiting for the world to kind of catch up. So there's like a, there's a sense of confidence in that. So. Okay. Okay. And no ceilings. Yes. No ceiling. I ain't got no ceiling. I ain't got no ceiling. I dropped out of college. Still ain't got no ceiling. Both my parents left me. Still ain't got no ceiling. I did not come up wealthy. Still ain't got no ceiling. I ain't got no ceiling. I ain't got no ceiling. And I, I repeat that chorus uh, twice, I believe. And then uh, this for the ones that doubted. You're my sons, you grounded. I had to climb that mountain away from the public housing. You really thinking that you could belittle me saying that I cannot do this. I hate to break it to you, but I'm focused on dollars. I don't need your two cents. Shout out to the welfare checks that have kept me fed while my mom did met. Oh, shoot. We couldn't pay that rent. Any place we went got evicted then. Oh, shoot. I had a shot at living with another family, but the mother was messed up. She wanted something romantic, so I had to dip out and finally patched up. So the essence of that track is basically me saying, I honestly, I've been through a lot. And a lot of people will try to limit you and put, you know, this is your ceiling. Like this is this is where you, your potential lies. Mm -hmm. But I, I completely disapprove and disbelieve that because I know what God put inside of me. And so I was basically stating to both the enemies in my head and um, people that have doubted me in the past, I, I don't have a ceiling. So right on. And like Tom. Like Tom. So this was based on like the Super Bowl. Uh, I just felt inspired to do that one. Okay. So it was like, future, looking so bright like super. Nova, my lane look lunar. I should have got here sooner, but I don't quit like losers. Y'all shoot like storm troops. Y'all shoot like stormtroopers. I'm running up my viewers. Fans and they real consumers. Some of y'all grow like tumors. All boss and they not real users. Should start with a fake maneuvers. Y'all flock to the cloud, that's humor. Y'all funny. I hit up Wally World when I get dripped. I'm trying to save up to buy me a crib. Letting it go popping off of the hip. Every week, oh yeah. I think I, I forgot it a little bit. Um, uh, what, serving the Lord like I'm working for tips. I be expecting, tithing and saving in their head investments, then give it back to him so he could bless it. And then it goes and hits the hook. Like Tom, I drop bombs and then I get rest. Wake up the next day, go put in the reps. Y'all knockoffs can't pop off, better head to the bench. And I saw way too much, can't settle for less. So that track is just essentially um, taking that GOAT mentality and putting it into your life, even though... Um, we may not be at the same level as Tom Brady or, you know, Kobe Bryant. Like, you still got to have that mentality. Like, I'm going to make it. I am going to gonna shoot through the roof. It's kind of like a no ceiling type deal, um, but just kind of like more of a uh, more of a motivational, relaxed version of it. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, that's like Tom. That's the, assess the essence of like Tom. Okay. And then lastly, Soda and Vodka featuring 350. Yes. All right. Um, need that De Niro. Commons and zeros. I got my savior. Don't need any heroes. Mama in Reno. By the casinos. I'm in Atlanta. Just losing my ego. I got some problems. I want Nirvana. 
Serving, swerving, surrender, but know that I got her. Soda and vodka, I need some water. Praying I don't end up dead like my father. Oh, oh man, shaking up hands. Stacking up bands, all a part of the plan. No TikTok dance, I go off for the fans. When I'm off for the gram, I go talk to the fam. There's not no chance you can take what I work for. Can't ride my wave with a surfboard. That ship sell when I beg for support more. Got big talk, but it's all a dang folklore. That hook was um, an embodiment of the uh, struggle of alcoholism that I kind of deal, deal with every once in a while. Um, I, I, I occasionally drink um, and I'm learning more and more that, you know, moderation is key. Um, and I, I came out of like a heavy party background. So I'm learning more and more that moderation is key. I'm trying my best to kind of just like uh, stay sober and stay, stay away from it completely. Um, but that was kind of just me being open and transparent and just being like, you know, I, I struggle with this. Um, and, uh, in my verse, I actually talk about, um, people not really accepting people being vulnerable and being real, because I, I noticed like, even in church nowadays, um, people will walk in with masks and they feel very nervous and very scary to talk about what they struggle with. And uh, I feel like if we were to just put down our mask and our judgment and just be open and real and honest, our church would be so much more healthier because a lot of these scandals, a lot of these things that are going on, you, you, we see people fall. It's because of lack of accountability. It's because lack of, you know, they're, they're nervous, they're fearful of the judgment that is going to be put on them. But as believers in Christ, we are called to be a graceful unit and accept these people. So I was just completely open on that track um, and just wanted to to address, you know, honesty and uh, humility in it. So, yeah, I mean, also because with your parents, then you have like addiction runs in your family or it's in your bloodline. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, is is that something you feel like you struggle with or have the possibility of struggling with addiction or moderation is good for you? Um, so, yeah, yeah, I, I honestly I do. I do have a little bit of an ad addictive personality, like both both of my parents mm -hmm. are um, like my dad is like gone because of it. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely don't uh, I stay away from like binging alcohol i will drink it occasionally um just as like uh kicking it with friends or something um i definitely try my best like not to go over the top um but i definitely don't uh do it as a crutch anymore i definitely have left that behind 100 and uh it's uh it's one of those things that i believe that i'll you know eventually just completely leave um but as of right now um I, I, I don't see any harm that it's really doing to me if I'm, you know, remaining sober minded. Yeah. So. so, and I mean, you were right about like the church, basically, mm -hmm. for the most part, just being full of cappers, like everyone's trying to put on mm -hmm. a front and not keep yeah. it real and honest. And that's how you end up in situations like yourself being raised by this family who's totally taking advantage of you but yet right. Jesus at the same time because mm -hmm. they're just not being real and 
obviously that woman um, has some healing she needs to do because only God knows what happened to her to, right? you know, do that, that, that act on you. But um, I mean, it's, it's a good message that you're saying, like everyone, regardless of being in a church or not, transparency is key. It's really mm-hmm. the key to healing. Um, and it really is. Ability. Yeah. Right. I believe that 100%. And that's why, that's why like confession and just like, being uh, just letting it go you feel that weight lift off of you mm-hmm. right you you feel that sense of freedom and that burden lift off lifted off of your shoulders that's why when i recorded this uh this last track um i felt like buoyant i felt mm-hmm. like i was glowing i felt just this like my my heart wasn't you know like squeezing anymore and I honestly, after I recorded that track, I can honestly tell you that I have not had any thoughts of revenge, like while I'm working. Because okay. um, I, I do like, I still get in my head sometimes, everybody gets in their head. Um, but I really don't have those thoughts of like, um, going after them and suing them and, you know, doing, you know, wanting to, to get even. So um, when we're, when we're, as a uh, pastor Mike Todd would say, hot, honest, open, and transparent. Um, there is true healing, and I will continue to uh, display that message throughout my music career. That's why. That's why God gave me the name Raw B. It's because I'm I'm supposed to be raw. I'm supposed to be real, authentic, and just open, um, no matter what's going on. So, because your name is Robbie. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and cuz my name is Robbie. <laughs> so, how does God's presence look like in your life musically? So, God uh is definitely behind the lyrics that I'm writing. Um he is I I make sure to um ask him for guidance before every studio session, um even before hopping into this call because I'm honestly, I'm a dummy without him. <laughs> I'm an idiot. I make mistakes and uh, I need him to the fullest. However, I am not uh, making music for the church. Um, I feel like God has called me to make music from the church to the world. And since God called me out of the world and put me into um, his kingdom, I believe that I, I'm supposed to make something that is palatable to bridge the gap between secular and sacred music. Um, I, that's just the lane I've been called to. Some people say that um, you're watering it down. A lot of people tell me that, hey, bro, I listen to a lot of secular music, but I've been listening to your music a lot more. And that is the ultimate goal for me, to make something palatable for a non-believer to listen to and just be like, I give them just a kind of like what Ruslan said with like, eating an avocado. He used to hate avocados till he tried guacamole in a burrito. Mm. You got to give God, uh, like God is like an avocado, like make it, uh, I'm trying to make it palatable to bridge that gap so they can walk over and hear a Lecrae and hear a Zay Hill, hear a Holvi that is, you know, just like um, very outspoken about their faith. And if I can help bridge that gap, 
um, even if I I've, even if I do take some backlash, I, I will always count it as worth it in the end. And I have uh, I have been seeing the fruits of that because people have texted me like, bro, like I, I, I only listen to secular music and or like I only listen to, you know, this, this and this. And they're all mainstream artists, but I listen to your music. So it's it's honestly one of those things that was a goal of mine since the beginning. So that's that's definitely where God is in my music. Sweet. All right. And my final question is, now that you've gone through this whole interview, who would you like to see me interview on the show? Whose testimony would you like to hear? Oh, I gotta I gotta put my boy Zay on blast. Okay. Zay Hill, one hundred percent. That man has a beautiful testimony, a beautiful story. He's a great guy. My best friend. Um, I can honestly call him my brother. Um, and uh, yeah, definitely put Zay Hill on this interview. You're a, you're a fantastic interviewer, by the way. I was honestly very nervous uh, coming in. <laughs> Not going to lie. But um, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely interview him. If you get a chance to uh, interview who else? Um, who else? Let's see here. Um, have you interviewed 350 yet? No, um, I actually interviewed Holvey and that was his recommendation mm -hmm. was 350. Yeah, 350 is a really cool dude. Big Breeze as well, very solid dude. I connected with him out here. Um, he's actually one of the first people I connected with. Mm -hmm. um, Zay Hill, Big Breeze, 350, and Ray Knowledge. Those, those, all three of those guys are very, or four of them are very solid. Sorry, my math is terrible. Um, yeah, they they are definitely super solid people. I know them personally. Um, I actually haven't met 350, but I have gone back and forth with him chatting. I have his phone number and stuff. But he's just a solid dude. Um, Big Breeze, solid dude. And uh, Ray Knowledge, um, I've actually kicked it with him multiple times. And uh, yeah, he's super down to earth as well. So yeah, definitely hit up those guys. Awesome. Hey, what's up? Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for watching the show. However you consume us, thank you. Please subscribe to the show. And if you really enjoy the content, please leave a review. It really does help with the ranking of the show. And if you want to go an extra mile, share the show. Share this episode. And for all things testimony, visit TestimonyStories.com. Until next time, I'm Gilika Brown, the music lover constantly seeking positive music.